0: where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Good Tuesday, everybody, and welcome to the BallQuest podcast. BallQuest.com and on the BallQuest YouTube channel. Go ahead and hit this like button and subscribe if you haven't already. I'm Eric Kane with Austin Price, Brent Hubbs, and Rob Lewis. AP, it was a game where Tennessee was a close one in the third quarter, 28-24 at one point in the third quarter. Uh, but Tennessee finished off with 38 unanswered points and handled Missouri the number 13-ranked defense in the country, 66 points on that defense to 24. Tennessee is 9-1, and one, two road games to finish off the regular season, and Tennessee will no doubt be trying to look uh, to win with style there as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, you go back on the road this week against a South Carolina team that did not score any offensive points last week against Florida. They, you know, hit a fake punt. I, if you jump on South Carolina early, Rob. I'm not going to say they're going to lay down, but I think it just takes the air out of the stadium. I expect williams Bryce, which is, you know, fairly a loud place, um, you know, to be really good early, but if Tennessee can get off to a hot start, they have a chance to kind of zap that crowd right out.
1: I just – I mean, it's oversimplification, but South Carolina has a really hard time scoring. Tennessee scores a, a ton of points, and even, you know – if you, if you take out the gaudy 49 points a game that they're averaging, or 47 now. In SEC play, that, that only drops down to 42. South Carolina averages more than a full touchdown less in SEC play than they do on the season. Just a little over 20 points compared to 28 overall. Only Kentucky, Vandy, and Missouri are worse at scoring points, and that is not a foursome you want to be a part of.
0: Brent, it was a senior day where Tennessee saw its quarterback score four total touchdowns, though, for 355 yards. It's tied in, got two receiving touchdowns. Uh, Dylan Sampson, a true freshman, came on and provided a spark for Tennessee on the run game in the second half. And then it was a defense that settled down a little bit, 7-3 announced total in this football game. It it struggled with the quarterback run, but we knew Brady Cook was going to try to challenge that. Um, defensively, I thought that it, it rebounded pretty well, and I think the defense will have an opportunity to help It's offense in terms of style, you know, kind of winning with style the last two weeks of the season against offenses that just really don't have a whole lot of firepower.
2: They they don't. I mean, South Carolina's only scored when they've hit a chunk play, basically. They have a hard time driving the length of the field on any kind of consistent basis. So Tennessee's got to make sure they don't give up something over their head, something cheap, something dumb. Uh, Austin's already mentioned special teams. You don't want to give up anything there. Uh, And and Tennessee's got to find a way to affect Spencer Rattler and and get to him. He doesn't move around like Cook does um, to to look to run. He will scramble and run around, but he doesn't do that with the idea of running for yards necessarily. Tennessee was poor in their rush lanes uh, in this game. I mean, when when they got out of their rush lanes, Missouri made them pay. That's the only way they moved the football. Tennessee's got to be better about that this week. Uh, But I think the bigger thing for Tennessee is they're getting more comfortable in the secondary. They mis- misplayed one ball, Eric. The fourth and one was just a terrible misplay in the back end. Other than that, they 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 did some solid things. I really like what Brandon Turnage is doing right now. I, I do think that they got their two best corners on the field and Slaughter and Turnage. I like what Wesley Walker did some at safety. I'll be curious to see if they rotate him in some this week. And uh, I, I think this is a chance for Tennessee's defense to have a solid day because of the struggles South Carolina has.
0: When you're the playoff committee, Austin, are you looking at? I mean, Tennessee's calling card is its offense. Don't get me wrong. And Tennessee put up 66 points, and you know, look good doing it and all that. But you look at the team top to bottom. Are you going to look at this defense and how it's been suspect against the pass at points and times when you're splitting hairs between potentially a one loss a one loss Pac-12 team or maybe a TCU this week or whatever?
3: I don't know if you're looking at it that closely, um, you know. But again, I, I think that Tennessee's, you know got a chance to make a statement the last two weeks. Ironically, I think Vanderbilt's the tougher game of the two. Um, you know, South Carolina just, just – just, they're a struggle bus. Um, um, more so – and it's not just totally offensively. I mean, defensively, uh, you know, they have their moments where they make a few plays, force some turnovers. But, you know, they give up some big yards too. And, uh, you know, I, I think Tennessee's got a real chance to, to make a statement here with another road win. And it doesn't hurt when you've got, you know, the marquee broadcast tandem in college football calling your game because that means, you know, it, it, some, some big eyes are going to be on this game with Fowler and Herb Street. And, you know, I, I think, you know, when you're splitting hairs, I don't know if it gets that, you know, finite, uh, Eric. But uh, at the same time, you just want to continue to play well in all phases.
2: Yeah, I, I don't want to stand on the grassy knoll here, uh, but I'll stand on the grassy knoll a little bit. I don't know that the playoff committee, I don't know how much they're specifically watching games. I know they're supposed to watch games, but I mean, half of those guys have current jobs as as acting ADs at schools around the country. So their basketball team's probably playing on Sunday or Monday. They've got events they've got to be at. So I don't think that committee is sitting down on Sunday and going, hey, let me rewatch the top six teams to see where the top four get, get you know need to go. I think they look at scores, they look at, at box you know box scores and stat sheets quickly, and, and then kind of go from there. I, I don't. I think this idea that they all get in a room and they watch clips of games and talk about stuff. I just the all twenty two. That's what's happening, you know. So Yeah, so, and also
1: and when you're talking about something as specific as what Eric's talking about, pass defense, that, that kind of gets into the realm of handicapping the games. Like, oh, Tennessee's bad you know, defending the pass so they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't match up with Ohio State. I don't, I don't think that's the committee's job and you know, to, to go at it that way. I think what, what Hubbard is saying to evaluate the body of work, you know, compare and contrast, you know, was, was Tennessee's win over LSU better than, you know, Michigan's win over Penn State? And, you know, why or why not?
3: So what we've learned here is is Hubbs is a shot from the front guy. Uh, or or, or did, was was it the Cubans? The
2: CIA? Uh, uh, was it? You- Listen, all I said was I'm not a Lyndon conspiracy Johnson. Who, who did you have? Who? Did, no. who did you- a- AP. Don't go down that road. All I'm saying is I'm not a big. Cons- I'm not saying it's a conspiracy here. I'm saying the idea and the notion that this committee these committee guys are setting and watching and breaking down nuances of games to, to know. I mean, they, they don't know how all these teams play. They, they, they don't have time to do that because they all have full-time jobs managing athletic departments, many of them. Now, you got a couple of retired coaches and, and some people in there, but they're, they're not sitting around um, doing doing all of that stuff that, um, that that some people think that they're doing on the committee. That, that's the but, point I was making. Did, did we uh,
3: actually uh, land on the moon and is the earth flat?
2: The no, earth is not it, it, flat it, and they landed on the moon.
1: In a beautiful slice of irony as it relates to conspiracy theories, and it's specific to Tennessee fans. Uh, the SEC office is always against Tennessee, you know, always for Alabama. The, all those, you know, black helicopter ball fans are going to have big bad Greg Sakey in their corner here in a couple of weeks when they get two playoff checks. For,
0: so they're going to have to make their peace with it.
3: The, the best part <laughs> of all of this, is that Eric Kane doesn't even know what the grassy knoll
0: is. I know the conspiracy theories out there for, you know, Kennedy and, and all that type of oh, stuff. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I went to school, you know, hashtag two degrees. So I, I know so a thing or two about American history. Um, I, I guess what I'm just trying to get at here is, like, I, I'm trying to wonder, you know, Brent says, you know, what's going to be the theme of the week for uh, It's this SC, cult. It's yeah. Southern yeah. Cal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but, like, I, I'm trying to sit here and think, okay, so – You know what made TCU worse than a one-loss Alabama team the week before, but then better than a one-loss team that beat that one-loss team in Tennessee the week next. Like I'm trying to figure out, like what are they valuing each week to week to week? I think we all know that they're all going to be young ho about Southern Cal this week for sure, um, because you're not going to be that way for LSU because the only way LSU is going to get in that they run the table be Georgia. So you know, and talking about splitting hairs and everything, it's kind of like, well, what are you looking for? What? What should well, we be looking for tomorrow, or tonight, whenever the uh, the playoff rankings come out? Well,
2: a, a couple of things on the TCU deal. One, you, you it, that was going into your second poll, right? And you had the number one team lose after week one in Tennessee, so that was a natural fall, right? That that was the easy thing. They they were going to drop them, and you bump up the unbeaten team because there was some there was some criticism about whether or not TCU should have been ahead of Alabama as a one loss team. Tennessee doesn't play well. They lose to Georgia. There's your opportunity to make that move. The TCU, if the committee members were watching that game against Texas, they probably came away going, you know what, TCU's TCU's better on defense than I thought. That's not the, you know, I thought that was a big 12 league that scored 50 points a game and it was, you know, 52-50 were the final, but TCU's defense looked better. So they probably helped themselves in that way to those people who actually watched the game. Um, but I, but the point is, I don't think they get into those finite details with some of that stuff. Sometimes you have movement just to have movement. This week, there's no possibility of movement in the top four. Georgia's not falling, right? Ohio State's not falling. TCU's not falling. Michigan's not falling. So where's the movement take place? Well, the narrative, in my opinion, with with what is released by the College Football Playoff Committee, is going to be about conference champions and you've got a potential one-loss conference champion in the Pac-12 in USC, that's why they'll go to six, and that's why they will be the school that everybody is talking about when they sit on, you know, on the panel and start talking about the, the rankings uh, later tonight. And if, and if that's the case, Hubs, my issue would
3: be with what that would be that we all, I think we all agree that a one, are they going to give North Carolina or Clemson a potential one-loss ACC champ the same treatment because – that, that that's basically what you will end up with here possibly. So if let's say they they love up Southern Cal and they're talking about that the whole time and then Southern Cal loses and then Tennessee ends up in Clemson and North Carolina are go, wait, I thought the whole yeah, of the he, Clemson
2: or, or the Southern Cal argument was one loss conference champ. What well, a week? But they can qualify that and they will qualify that by saying if Southern Cal's a one loss conference champ, they will have beaten uh, a ranked UCLA team. Right, they will have beaten a ranked Notre Dame team, they will have beaten a ranked Oregon, Oregon or team, Utah team or Utah team and the conference championship. So, there's your qualifier versus one loss Pac 12 versus one loss ACC will be strength of schedule based on who Southern Cal plays at the end. They're there, it's like stats, right? You can take a stat and turn it into whatever yeah, you want, to, right? You, you can take a stat and make you can you can go rob certain down in distances, and you can make South Carolina's defense look good, right? I mean, I don't know
1: Missouri. if I could ever, but maybe you, you could.
2: Missouri's Missouri's defense, top four in the country or in the conference a week ago. But if you looked at that, you went, they didn't really play anybody who was a very good offensive football team. Outside My point is, you can you can take those things and kind of move it and manipulate that to kind of fit into the narrative that that works at, at this point. And right now, I think there's West Coast engagement in the Pac-12. Um, that's why you heard the, all the Oregon talk last week, but they're out of with them out of the way now. I think you'll see them move that move that needle towards Southern Cal. We'll see how Southern Cal handles it the next three weeks,
0: guys. I can't believe early in in, in the week here, one of the bigger talking points on you know from, from national media members or social media or whatever. They, I mean, there was even a press there was even a question asked about it in Josh hoppel's press conference on Monday. Well, the fact that Tennessee scored there towards the end. I mean, Rob, is this is is this as black as white black and white as I'm making it out to be, where it might not make a difference, but you're gonna look as good as you possibly can in the eyes of the playoff committee. You're trying to get a college football playoff spot. You're gonna go score when the ball's on the two yard line. USC scored with 36 seconds left against a one win Colorado team on Friday. I'm not hearing anything about that team. I mean, this is not a big deal, is it?
1: I don't think it's a big deal, but that, that USC that happened at what probably 1 one thirty in the morning
3: East yeah. Coast time and only On a Friday only with degenerate, nobody watching
1: and only degenerate gamblers like Eric Kane who had the Trojans to, they knows the Trojans needed that one to cover or even aware of it. Uh, so, but you know, Tennessee, middle of the day, Saturday afternoon, national television, you know, Rick, you got Rick New you know, almost in, 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 getting all lathered up about it. Um, on the air I don't think it's a big deal I mean I think it's the reality of college football these days when you it goes back to what Hubbard's talking about when some when there's such a huge prize out there and it's going to be given out on a subjective process by people who are not watching these games in real time you know I, I, I don't blame Josh Heupel at all
0: yeah, I mean, no one's gonna know that it was twenty eight, or most of the committee members is not gonna know it was twenty eight, twenty four at one point in, th- in the third quarter, right? Um, but also something you said after the game, it might be, well, Tennessee since the loss in Athens, Tennessee's outscored opponents the last three weeks of the season, three hundred forty two to five, or you know whatever the case may be, like that might be a stat that would weigh heavily for Tennessee when going in that last week of the of the rankings. Breaking.
3: Eric Kane's got Tennessee scoring over a hundred the next two weeks. Um,
0: it's possible.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's all it, it's all about you know the way you phrase things, word things, sell. Um, you know, I mean, what was it Shane Beamer last year or earlier this year, whatever it was, he was selling that you know that South Carolina had won the fourth quarter in like you know eight of their nine eight of their last nine games or whatever. It didn't matter that they lost eight of those nine games. Well, that is quarter. so
0: Butch Jones, isn't it? You know, that's, I mean,
3: but I mean, like, again, it's all selling. It's all about phrasing, how you, how you sell things. Um, so, I mean, like, yeah, if you're sitting there and you're, you're trying to sell Tennessee's, uh, you know, post-Georgia close, you
2: know, you want to be able to say Tennessee outscored them 180 to 60. Yeah. Well, again, the, the best thing, the, the reason Tennessee's in the conversation about the college football playoff is not just their record, but how they've achieved that record, and they've achieved that record through their offense—big play offense. Everybody was waxing poetically about how great the offense was heading into Georgia, the most unstoppable offense in college football. That's what Tennessee's selling point is, right? That—that's that, what is—that's what's captivating about Tennessee is—is is, is their offense and what they do on the offensive side of the ball. So, yeah, you better—you better be there. On the flip, you better score a bunch of points, and 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 you got to do whatever you can to be impressive. And and your offense is what impresses people. Flip side, if you're a team that's giving up ten points a game, are you gonna are you gonna do everything you can not to give up a cheap one in the fourth quarter to to make that look like your defense didn't play particularly well? Do you play your starters longer that way? If you're a team whose calling card was defense, now we don't have one of those in the playoff right now. And, and, and you know that's not the way the college football game is played these days. But but my point is, you've got to play to your strengths from a perception standpoint to impress community members. And for Tennessee, that's scoring points.
0: What do you guys want to see from Tennessee these last two weeks? Because Tennessee is going to be—it's already a three-touchdown favorite on the road for South Carolina. Tennessee will be Tennessee will be about a twenty-eight-point favorites likely at Vanderbilt. They should have some easy wins here. What do you need to see, Austin, from Tennessee the next two weeks as they close out the year? More Dylan Sampson.
3: I mean, you know, I'd love to see, you know, Tennessee continue to expand. I like Squirrel White having more of a role. I like Dylan Sampson having more of a role. Um, You know, in in these type games, they should because Tennessee should be able to take care of business. So I, I, I like Tennessee just to continue doing what they are doing and have done all year minus the Georgia game, and that's, you know, play their brand of football, score points, uh, be opportunistic on defense. It, it feels like, to me, Tennessee's defense has grown up quite a bit. I, I mean, I know they still give up a few plays. Everybody gives up plays. Um, you know, uh, but, you know, it feels like they're, they're more settled at corner, uh, more settled at linebacker, and continuing to get decent play along the defensive line. You know, do
0: you need to see anything from Tennessee in order to maybe help their case – moving forward for the college football playoff rankings or just against two inferior opponents, you want to see something you haven't seen from Tennessee yet?
1: I I think these are two really bad football teams. I mean, I think Tennessee, if if, if Josh wants to, they can score in the 60s or 70s these next two weeks to me. But what – so I I don't – I mean, I I think these are foregone conclusions, blowouts, and the case for the college football playoff is going to – I think that's going to depend on you know what happens with Michigan, what happens with USC. What I want to see, as, as somebody that's following his team, I want to see Jalen Hyatt put this put the single season touchdown record at a at a place that is untouchable. I mean, he could easily get six touchdowns in these next two or, or more. I mean, Vanderbilt has the worst. Or, oh, game.
3: bowl, remember bowl games count too, though. So I mean, bowl game
1: or play or two playoff games or what? Yeah. But, I mean, Vander, Vanderbilt is one hundred thirtieth in the nation in, in pass defense. There could be some two, fireworks
3: there. Two playoff games, Rob, and I'm taking you to Disneyland, my friend. <laughs>
1: but I'd like you know, to see – I mean, Hayek could end up with 22, 23 touchdowns. I, I'd like to see that, and, and I, I would like to see him in, in New York. I mean, I, I'm a big I, – I think we all are. I mean, big fan of that kid. What, what he's been through, his story, you know, his, his journey to get to this point is remarkable. I mean, if he could cap that with Tennessee's first-ever Heisman Trophy, I mean, that's that, – that's – you know, fantasy land type stuff right there.
0: Well, Brent, he'll be in New York. It's just a matter of, you know, right now he's the second odds on favor behind CJ Stroud. I mean, unless CJ Stroud just collapses, might not have an opportunity to win this thing, but he will be in New York without a doubt.
2: Yeah, which is a great story within itself. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's a credit to to what he's accomplished and what he's gone about and, uh, doing and, and the work he's put in and the, the marriage that's been perfect for him and Josh Heupel, which – You know, didn't seem to be the case when he was here in the spring and Josh Heupel first, you know, took him out to the practice field and went through spring practice. Uh, But it's obviously worked out very well. And Hendon Hooker has thrived in this system. He's gained his confidence back, and he's playing really well. Big picture for me, Eric, to answer your question, is Tennessee slamming the door in these two games early and immediately. If you want to talk about impressing committees and, and those types of things, I'm not saying Tennessee it's a detriment that it worked against Tennessee, the Missouri game, but don't be in a one score game, you know, 10 minutes to go in the third quarter against these two teams, go out and slam the door early in, in in the football game and be a dominant impressive football team right out of the, right out of the gate. I think that's what Tennessee can show. Now as someone who covers the team on a daily basis, um, Still, you know, some of the growth and development of some of these young guys, right, can continue to move with the Dylan Sampson's turnage getting better, Um, you know, more, more Joshua Joseph, more James Pierce. Let's, let's see some of those guys when the opportunity presents itself as someone who covers them every day, that's the things I'm looking for. But if you're talking about impressing the committee ended early, I and mean, this game was 35 nothing last year against South Carolina, it was over before it ever got started. Can Tennessee go out and end this game before it ever gets under underway? Something they didn't really do against Missouri. They had a chance to, but they didn't do that against Missouri until they went on that basketball run in the third quarter.
1: Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th
0: And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I think something I want to see, and this is just selfishly, and again, Tennessee might not have been wanting to do this the entire season, but it's been this way the last five, six games. I hate offensive line rotations. Now, J.J. Crawford might have stayed in there and played the whole game if he didn't get his tail whipped by Isaiah McGuire the entire first half. And then Minty came in and he got, you know, he got planted a few times as well. Uh, Isaiah McGuire is a really good player. I want to see somebody, I mean, you know, it's, it's worked for Tennessee. You got the number one team in the in the country uh, or uh, number one offense in the country, but I hate rotating offensive linemen. So I want to see that left tackle. I want to see someone, and it's not going to happen, but I want to see someone say, "Hey, this is my spot." But that's your um, pet
3: peeve. That's your pet peeve.
0: Uh, it's one of my football pet peeves: rotating offensive linemen. It's when Jeremy Pruitt was here during that Georgia State game. It's why he lost. Good God! Why? Why are he rotating an offensive lineman to sit in JV football? You know, which is which is interesting because
2: Glenn Ellerby likes to rotate offensive linemen. They did it at, at Central Florida because of their tempo. They felt like in the second quarter some of those big linemen were gassed a little bit with the fast start in the first quarter. So they would play ultimately six or seven offensive linemen regularly in a game uh, when they were down there. I don't know if Tennessee will ever get to that point at Tennessee, uh, but that's something that they felt like they needed to do with the tempo down there because they felt like it played to their advantage with some of those guys.
0: I don't know. Every – you know, we, we we talked to Ramon Foster from the Rocky Top where we were on the other night, and in conversations that I've had with him in the past about that, he said, "No, this is in defensive line. You don't do that on the offensive line. You don't do that at any level." So, that's just me. I I, I hate that. But again, you had to on Saturday because, I mean, you, you, what what you were getting at left tackle was just not good enough. Uh, moving hey, forward, you in li-
2: term- hey hey, wouldn't you like to have done this podcast with Eric when Philip Fulmer said, "Hey, this week this this tackle is going to guard for matchup." We're going to move the center out to tackle this week because it's
0: a better matchup for us. No, no, I have no issue with that. Like, the versatility on the offensive line, I think, is a plus. What I hate is, all right, we're going to go – here's an example. Kentucky game, 2020, I know it didn't end well. But you go down with Javante Spragans and Jerome Carvin as your guards, and you go down that first play of the second – or that first drive of the second half, 75 yards, you score a touchdown or whatever – and then you come out the next series and you have another guard in there for, for Jerome Carvin. It's like, what are you doing? That, that that makes no sense to me. I mean, for matchup purposes, if you have a guy that's, you know, Cade Mays, that can go in there and say tackle this week, guard this week. I don't I don't have an issue with that. I just, I don't know, that's just one of my pet peeves for football. I didn't mean to go off on a tangent there. But uh, anyway, when you're looking at recruiting. Sorry, sorry, Austin. So I'll wake you up here. Let's talk Recruiting. Uh, Tennessee trying to close out this class of 23 last uh, game at Neyland stadium yep. uh, to have uh, kids on campus for game day atmosphere. They'll have some more official visitors in December. Uh, Khalifa Keith, former Kentucky running back commits uh, now looking like, uh, you know, Tennessee's in a real good spot here.
3: Yeah. Tennessee been trending there for several weeks. South Carolina tried to take a swing, um, but never got over there. Um, you know, credit Jerry Mack. He's worked that one really hard. Um, you know, and, and Tennessee, you know, sees a, a bigger tailback. He's six foot. Um, he's, and I know say it says, all of his profiles say like six 6'2". He's really not, nice, six foot. But he's 230 pounds. That's 20 pounds bigger than anybody on the roster. And, you know, they need a bigger bodied back that can get those tough two and three yards. Um, you know, Leneath Whitehead, you know, could have been that, but he can't stay healthy. And so at this point, I don't, you just can't depend on him. Now maybe he comes back and he surprises and he stays healthy, but, uh, you know, I think Tennessee needs a bigger back and, and I expect them to also look into the transfer portal and then we'll see what else.
0: What about David Hobbs and Aaron Carter, two other guys that get mentioned a lot in terms of trying to close out this class?
3: Yeah, I, I think for, for Hobbs, you know, it's Tennessee, Georgia. Um, I've heard nothing to suggest Tennessee is now trailing Georgia, um, you know, I know Georgia felt good about their their visit with him. He had glowing remarks and basically admitted, you know, Georgia was three heading into that visit and kind of supplanted Alabama. I think Alabama is now three uh, or out, however you want to look at it. It's Tennessee, Georgia, but I I still feel like Tennessee's in a, a fairly good spot there. Uh, with uh, what do we got? Ten days to go before he he pulls the trigger next Friday. Twenty
0: twenty fours lot of in-state guys have been on campus several times. Um, you know, wh- When could the next movement be for the class of 2024 in terms of this class already with four commits?
3: Yeah, I mean, I could see somebody pulling the trigger in December. Um, we'll see. I mean, there have been a few that, you know, had, had talked about pulling the trigger and then they backed off and, you know, that, that stuff happens. I mean, that's that's recruiting 22s, 23, 24s, 25s. You know, always there's always someone who's close to pulling the trigger and then they kind of calm down and come off visit highs and those type of things, um, you know. But I, I think you know December would be uh, a possible um, situation there, and if not, then then I would look at February. Um, January is more of a dead month or more a month focused on that specific class you're in, which would be the
0: twenty threes. And something me and Brent, and actually I think you were on when we talked about this in terms of the uh, transfer portal. You know, you're gonna you're gonna have to go out and add to this class, tight end especially. You've got to have you, you see how valuable Princeton fan Jacob Warren are on this offense and why you never go four wide receiver sets and Ethan Davis is in this class and I think he could end up being a good player but you need to go out and get an experience got to play tight end I feel like in the transfer portal maybe a running back uh may, maybe some other players of course but a tight end is what they're going to be targeting for sure yeah and don't miss Princeton fan just because of the versatility
3: I yeah. mean you know he, he was you know he did more than just play tight end and um or does more and it's not like his career's over yet but he does more than just play tight end and uh, you know but i think tight end will be an area where they they go and depending on what jacob warren does it could be going and getting one it could be going and getting two tight ends out of the portal then you know outside of that tackle defensive line maybe linebacker depending on where you feel like you're at you know, and then kind of the best available. I do think that running back will be a need in the portal, especially if there's a guy, uh, like a really top-end player. I think you'll see Tennessee go pretty hard at one of those.
0: So we talk football, talking recruiting. Rob, how was your trip to, to, to Bridgestone Arena the other day? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Anytime that that when football and basketball season overlap and the two teams you cover both score the exact same amount of
0: points, it's been a bad weekend for somebody. <laughs> I mean, no one should freak out over a loss in November. No, All right. That, that's no, di- no, that's no, the difference no. in football and basketball, but God, that was an ugly, ugly thing to watch.
1: It was brutal. I mean, they played terrible. Um, I don't know that I've seen coach Barnes as angry after a game. And I mean, and it was because he, he just felt his kids didn't bring it. It wasn't because they couldn't throw it in the ocean. It was, um, you know, he didn't feel like And me and Brent talked about this yesterday at my and my, he didn't come out and say all these things, but haven't been around him for going on eight years now. I don't feel like his, he felt like his team respected the opponent. I, I think he's his kids saw that Colorado had gone to Grambling, of all places, and lost. You know, on two days before they had one day to prepare. It this really felt like a, a situation where Tennessee felt like they could show up and win, and um, you know, quickly found out that wasn't going to be the case. And and I don't, you know, I've seen. People losing their minds on the board about it. I mean, I, I think November basketball means absolutely almost nothing, except for maybe you get, if you get a good win or two, it might bump you up a seed line in, in March. But college basketball is a marathon. Tennessee played as or shot it as bad as they could shoot it yesterday. We're not good on defense. Rick's got some things to figure out rotation wise. I mean, who's, I think, more roles than rotation wise? Like who's, you know, who should be taking. Ten or twelve shots a game, who you know, this, that, and the other, and, and I think he's figuring that out. And and I think these next couple of weeks will be important for that. But big picture, just you know, scrub that one yesterday. It was it was ugly. Sorry for people that wasted their money to go to go watch that. Um, but big picture wise, that I think it's pretty meaningless. Well, Rob, not-
2: what, what do they? What is what does Rick do at the point guard spot? I, he I don't came, know. Came out and said, Zakai, you're going to the bench. Uh, the, the love affair there was not a love affair. He, you know, Rick went from I really love this team to I'm really mad at this team and I'm going to bench the point guard. So, so who do they play? Who does he play at point guard Wednesday night I mean, to start the game?
1: He's going to play Tyreek Key there, but it's not. It, it, I would just call Tyreek Key the, the primary ball handler as opposed to the point guard because it's just going to look different. I mean, it, and I think that's okay when you got guys like Santiago and, and Josiah. On the court with him when you got three guys that, that can run things that can initi- initiate things. But I mean, the fact of the matter is, Zakai Ziegler is their only, they're, I don't know about only BJ, I'd call BJ Edwards a point guard too, but he's not ready yet. But Zakai is their best point guard on the roster and it's not close. And right now, his head coach is mad at him <laughs> and, and they're going to have to work through some things. Um, well,
2: and, and Zakai is getting a lesson in what it's like to play truly be the point guard. For Tennessee right I mean he was the point guard in rotation last year but Kennedy Chandler was the guy that Rick Barnes would be mad at from one game to the next game because he's hard on point guards and, Zakea, he and, and Ziegler's getting his first indoctrination to that in an ugly ugly way, ugly like, way I mean, after what play, happened Sunday.
1: Hubbard playing point guard for Rick Barnes is like being AP's travel agent I mean it's, <laughs> it's a lot I mean you got a lot of responsibilities. You got somebody breathing down your neck you know all the time about you know private jet hours and and tea times and fat you know eat fast passes it's there's a lot of similarities there but disneyland it
0: Disney
2: which one hey, this week harder being his travel agent or his tailor which, which Ooh, is tougher right now I, I
0: don't know that's ap which you, is harder hey that house is clean though brent
2: which is harder ap they, they, they whoa,
1: whoa, AP speechless. They got his measurements on file at Peter Millar. He does it, he just, just needs to go for a little adjustment here, here and there.
3: Uh, what, what do you want me to say, man? I mean, you know, I, I get, I'd i give it out. You I'm
0: beat me to it, Brent. <laughs> you, you,
3: you, I got to be willing to take it when you dish it back. I give it out. You know, it's like, you know, Brandon Burns was busting my chops on Monday. After he walked by, and I said, "Man, where are you going?" He's like, "I'm going to, to Thornton. I said, "Don't you do a of jug machines? I want you to drop two and, and so he busted on me back. So oh, you got to be willing to give, you know, have a good give and take. Absolutely,
1: yeah. It uh, all seems Rob... though, but, but, man, I think Zakai is will be back in the starting lineup or, at some. And, and if he's not, the minutes will be about the same. I mean, I, yeah. Rick can't help himself, and and Zakai is the best that they've got. And and I think. He and the rest of the team will be better from yesterday. I would not, I I would not want to be in that film session Monday afternoon. <clears throat> well, now what you all. root
3: for is, is Colorado to go have a good year, and that way, at the end, in March, everybody is like, okay, they lost to Colorado, but Colorado's a tournament team. Not Colorado ended, you know, twelve and twenty-seven.
0: Rob, what's up with Uros? what's that injury situation look like? Uh, Rick, right? Rick was
1: dismissive of it on on Sunday afternoon. Said turned ankle, high ankle. I would, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play or on, against Florida Gulf Coast on, on Wednesday, or, or maybe even you know gets takes it easy until they go to the Bahamas. But Rick didn't indicate like it was anything long term. Is it
3: so? You're is it more like a Jackson Lampley injury or
1: <laughs> Jackson Lampley? That's that that. You need to get get that one to the point, AP, where it turns into something like save
0: Ferris. Like from Ferris Bueller. (laughs) Save Jackson. (laughs) Crossover season is in full effect. So are the jokes, so are the laughs here on the VolQuest podcast. Tennessee finishing off the regular season this Saturday at South Carolina, then Vanderbilt. And, of course, college basketball back in action right now. Had a, a first loss of the season to Colorado at Bridgestone Arena on Sunday, but back in action against Florida gulf, coast, florida gulf coast coming up tomorrow night at tba hey while we'll the mailbag podcast coming up on thursday get in all those questions we'll have a thread pinned at the top of the board so all your questions get in there for the val quest mailbag podcast that is coming up on thursday for rob lewis awesome price and brent hubs i'm eric kane appreciate you guys for hanging out with us here today on the val quest podcast <laughs>
1: You've been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire,
0: huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.